You have tuned into Tea Buddies. This is your host, Salah Hadin. In today's episode, our hosts, Justin and Esther, are joined by a good friend of mine, Kian Sien, a psychology graduate from Health University, Malaysia. Kian has always been fascinated about psychological measures. We actually did three episodes together on personality tests for Tea Buddies before. Today, he'll be discussing his views on attachment styles and love languages and how the pandemic altered his and his ex-partners' love expressions and needs and their attachment styles. This episode marks Tea Buddy's first anniversary, coinciding with the beginning of the spring season. On behalf of my team at Tea Buddies, I wish everyone a very happy Persian New Year and thank you once again for listening to Tea Buddies. So what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Tea Buddies. So before we jump into today's presenter, which I will intro a little bit later, just a short reminder that today's episode is again sponsored by Mind Matters Network. So they are a Malaysian youth-led mental health initiative that aims to uplift youth mental health standards in Malaysia. How? Through psychology, education, and training. And to find out more about Mind Matters Network, you can visit the website at mindmattersmy.com. Dot .org. So, to jump in, I will be your host along with Esther. We are both of your hosts and today we will be interviewing Kim. So, can we get a short introduction from you, my friend, that everybody who's listening kind of get an idea as to who you are. Hello, what's up everyone? My name is Ken. I was a student from HELP University. I graduated with the Bachelor of Degree uh, from HELP last year, January 2021. Uh, I was the president of Psychology Student Union during my year three degree. Yeah. Okay, so all psychology graduates, all from help. <laughs> Some of us are still in help. <laughs> I think Esther, Esther, you are still doing your master's there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have help alumnus, all also help alumnus. Yes. <laughs> it's like a gathering same. right now. Yes. Yeah. yes. Gathering now. the same space. Yeah. An old school gathering of old friends. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're just going to jump right into it. Esther, you want to maybe kick us off? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, thanks so much, Ken, for agreeing to uh, yeah, do this uh, with us. Um, yeah, I think let's just start off with, um, I think today we want to talk more about, uh, you know, how does this pandemic, right, has shaped um, a really romantic relationship in a sense, you know, how does it shape, you know, our attachment style, and also to understand a bit about, you know, love language, anything changed, you know, during the pandemic. So perhaps let's start off with, uh, you know, Ken, maybe you can enlighten us, like, how was, you know, dating during the pandemic, like, um, for you? All right. Uh, I think this is very important topic to talk about, at least uh, for me, myself. So maybe give a bit of context for my uh, romantic relationship. So the relationship actually lasts about one and a half years. Right now, it actually is it was ended like a few months ago, but uh, I have done quite a lot of reflection. So maybe a lot of things that I'm gonna say will be combined with my reflection after the relationship is ended. And when I look back to this pandemic and across this um, before pandemic, we got together. It was around November 2020, and the pandemic and lockdown started was like around March, February, March uh, 2020, right? No mistake. <laughs> Yeah, 2023. So the relationship was uh, officially around 2019, November. So after a few months, we officially together and the uh, lockdown happened. And throughout so many months uh, and towards uh, last year, around July, it ended. So there's a bit of context there. Like both of us also like psychology students. So <laughs> there's a bit of interesting things there. And I will share maybe two perspectives into how this lockdown affected the relationship. Um, first would be the attachment style, like uh, you mentioned, and so the love language. So using these two perspectives to maybe uh, look, look at the relationship and how uh, pandemic or lock, lockdown, when it happened, how it affect a relationship. Yeah, so uh, by the way, to keep maybe the audience until towards the end of the podcast, maybe I will maybe share uh, why the relationship ended. So maybe that's like a uh, yeah. cliffhanger mm-hmm. towards the end. Yeah, I will, the disco will share that uh, towards the end of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So you talk a bit about um, attachment style, right? Um, what is your attachment style and what is, um, you know, her attachment style? Is it similar or is it different? Yeah. So since like both of us also last time, we were also psychology student. 
Uh, one of the things I think psychology students like to do is like, we learn a lot of, like theories, you know, different concepts in classes, but do we really know and how does it uh, apply in real life, right? So we kind of like to do this. I think maybe a psychology student would like to do that as well. So uh, we did like the attachment style test, uh, specifically for adult attachment style. And both of us, we got the score like uh, secure attachment style. But based on the score, she was more secure compared to me. But uh, what happened after the pandemic is when I look back, I realized that even though the result before pandemic, we did it, it shows secure. But when lockdown happened, I noticed a lot of behaviors or things that actually showing more insecure behavior attachment style between both of us, which is something very interesting. Like when you do a test, it shows you like your secure attachment style. So you're not going to be worried about what's going to happen. Both of you won't have a lot of uh, problems, maybe less toxic behavior, quite comfortable to express yourself, uh, to be close, to be intimate to each other. But it turns out, not really, yeah. Okay. Um, so just to give context as to people who are watching, when you say secure attachment style, insecure attachment style, you want to just maybe run us through the types of attachment styles and try and give us a brief overview as to what each attachment style looks like. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as I'm referring to the adult attachment style, a secure attachment style, there are one, uh, in total, there are four. So one is secure attachment style, another three is insecure attachment style. So for secure attachment style, uh, people who are more easy to be emotionally close to people. So if you need to be vulnerable to share maybe certain things that you don't share to a lot of people, but you are willing to share to your partner. It's quite easy for you to share that. So this is one of the signs, or maybe um, you're quite comfortable to depend on the other person. So when you need help, when you're struggling, when you're going through a tough time, you can ask your partner like, look, I'm really feeling lost right now in my life. Can you help me to figure out this problem? Can you help me with this uh, um, thing I'm going through? But I don't know what, what, it, what does it mean to me? So other than that, it could be also, let's say your secure attachment style, you're not afraid to be alone and not afraid that other people are not accepting who you really are. So you're very, in a sense, you're being who, you're, who you yourself can be. You are Comfortable being in your own skin. Yeah, not like always worrying like, how my partner going to look at me? Is he going to judge me for who I am? Or when I do this, he or she doesn't love me anymore. Yeah. So being secure is quite a good indication that you're going to be more satisfied in a relationship. Yeah. Less conflict in a way as well. Yeah. Mm. So the other three types of like, let's say insecure attachment style will be like anxious, preoccupied, and dim- di- dismissive avoidance, and also fearful avoidance. How three different? I'll just go through very quickly. Mm. So for anxious, preoccupied, preoccupied people, they usually have a negative view about themselves and positive view about the partners. So a lot of times they are looking for high level of intimacy, approval, responsiveness uh, from their partner. So This is might, for anxious one, is it? Yeah, anxious, okay. preoccupied. So they, they want the level of intimacy to get uh, more emotionally close to the partner. Uh, but at the same time, they, they are not really feeling good about themselves. In a way, yeah, they are maybe insecure inside. They are worried like, hey, how, how, what if the partner find out that uh, I'm not as good, then mm. she might not value me that much. Yeah. So, so another two would be dismissive and avoidance, which is like positive view of self and negative view of others. So this type of uh, attachment style, usually the person will be more independent. They feel like I'm quite enough, quite sufficient. Mm. I don't really need to be uh, emotionally close or vulnerable to my partner yeah so they are more independent more of the time in the relationship and feel like uh, a relationship maybe just something more than that yeah they don't look for uh, maybe things that are more deeper to be very vulnerable to show the side which is very fragile of themselves to others yeah so the last one would be fearful avoidance which they have very unstable uh, view of themselves and others so now, if people who have this kind of attachment style, they kind of somewhat uncomfortable to get close to others. And it's like they kind of wanting to go out to connect to people, then they go back again. It's, it kind of fluctuates and very unstable. So people like that, they're very uncomfortable for emotional closeness and also my certain times see themselves as unworthy of the love or response of the partner. Uh, so that's roughly the four different types of attachment style. And 
And from my side, uh, when I look back, so both of us started as a secure attachment style, right? I was mm. very happy. I was like, this relationship is going to work. not going to have uh, a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> but it then turns out when I look back and I reflected upon on it, I'm showing a bit more anxious, preoccupied attachment style, which is like, I keep wanting to get close with a partner. Mm. But at the same time, I also worry that uh, when the partner, if know my true self, she's she not going to value me that much. Mm. Like negative view of myself and positive view on others. Mm. And uh, my partner last time was showing more of, of the dismissive avoidance uh, attachment style. So most of the time, she's going to be very independent. She's like, I don't need a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of maybe approval, validation too much. I'm quite sufficient with my own. Mm-hmm. So you can see the conflict with that. Where I want to get close to uh, her, but for opposite, her. Uh, right. yeah, it's, it's the opposite, right? Yeah. So yeah, it, it clashes. Yeah, it clashes. So this is something very interesting to look at it. And if you ask me like how this happened, and honestly speaking, from what I know about her history and how, how, how she's growing up, uh, her background, her childhood, and knowing myself, my own childhood and background and so, I do have to admit at some point, both of us are not coming from uh, a secure attachment style since growing up. But it was the, the act of aware of ourselves. I'm aware that I'm quite anxious to a point, but I have been working from it, uh, working for it to improve, to, to try different things to make myself more secure. Yeah. So perhaps that, that experience when we did the test, our life, our life is progressing long. So mm. we get a better result. But then when lockdown happened, when a change in lifestyle happened, crisis happened, we would probably, I would say, in, in my speculation is, we fall back into the way of how we are behaving, which is insecure attachment style. Yeah. Mm. Like, I'm just wondering, right, before the lockdown, right, because both of you said that you, you felt like both of you were quite secure and the test score also, uh, you know, supports that. Um, during that time before the lockdown, um, how was that different with, like, after? Like, what was the secure attachment like for both of you, yeah, before yeah. the lockdown? Yeah. I think that's a very good question. So uh, to put it, I think maybe more specific example, when you're in a secure attachment style, uh, you're having secure attachment style in this relationship, most of the time you have your own private space and you have the, it's like you have the identity of you yourself and also you and the partner. Mm. So you have like certain boundaries, certain time for yourself and you have, like it's like your life is not just relationship, have quite a lot of things, which in my case last time I was uh, running for the president of student council and I was very occupied with other stuff that I enjoy as well. You know, doing events, meeting people, talk to friends, with all this in, in a sense, my life, I have a lot of things to do. I have friends, I have events to do, I have a meeting to do, I have more people to talk to, <laughs> you find a department and all other stuff. Uh, but then when pand- pandemic happened, everything changes. I didn't get to go to school. I don't get to meet my friends. I don't get to have those experience of organizing events in the campus, meeting people, talking to them, random people. I kind of like to do that last time. But I didn't get all this uh, activity which I was so used to doing. So with that change, uh, I would say that my life, my lifestyle changes a lot to a point in taking taken away a lot of aspect that uh, I have for my life. So when lockdown happened, it's just me at my hometown, computer every day, <laughs> study, not a lot of friends. Like It changes how I view about myself as well. So I was, I became less confident in a way because, I mean, everyone experienced this first time and you hit with crisis, it changes the lifestyle. You, you don't feel like yourself anymore. And so that was the bigger changes uh, in me. So to put it simply, I would say maybe like in your life right now, you're doing a lot of different activities. You work, you study, you do your hobbies, you do your interests, you play guitar, whatever. This all these contribute to your sense, sense of self-worth, I would say. But when all of it, most of it removed, you're only left with you, uh, laptop, computer, study, and your partner. 
you lose you lose most of uh, the source of feeling who you are, and that make me become more dependent on the relationship. Your validation, your sense of self worth, all coming from the partner. Want to talk to them, want to get intimate with them, but it would cross the boundary where you would have the time, have your own life, and having a life with a partner as well. So mm. uh, that's that's how I would say it. Yeah. Right. So, so I hear it's more of, like you said, um, perhaps the self-identity is built around right, the other things that's happening in your life. But when all these things sort of got affected, you know, you tend to, you, you may feel like okay, you're starting to lose yourself. And where you can find yourself again is kind of like from the partner. And I think maybe that also explains where the anxiousness comes from. Because, you know, when you lose something, you, natural response is, you know, can be quite anxious, especially if it, if it means so much to you, isn't it? And then, there is this because the partner is the next person who knows you the best right so there's this expectation perhaps or like um, this natural dependence of wanting to get like you said the validation from yeah. you know from them but what about what about her like what was it like for her that you you sense a change yeah. before uh, and after I, the I think just add on from what you see which I would say it can be quite dangerous when these kind of things happen because mm-hmm. you rely too much on the other person a relationship should be like in the dependence yeah like I take care of, of myself uh, for you and you take care of yourself for me. It's not that mm. my emotions, my feelings, my life is not good. You got to help me. You got to save me. Uh, mm. I think it can be very dangerous uh, when these yeah. kind of things happen. So for her, uh, like I say, if look at the attachment style, she was more of the dismissive avoidance. So when that happened, she actually fall back into more independent role. She would start doing her own things and not feeling too much on, in talking about uh certain topics or tough topics uh, in the relationship. I think one of the uh, more specific examples, like before, before pandemic, we, we made up, meet up a few times a week, you know, because I have a lot of things to do, uh, a lot of events to run. So we have our own time and also meet up. Okay. Mm. But when pandem- pandemic happened, we video call every day, mm. which event too far. No? Mm-hmm. We come every day, you are meeting the partner, talk to them from morning to evening. And it's like, you, I would say it's not a healthy way uh, that to, to, to have the relationship when you, you meet both each other every day and you are not physically together as well. It's just through the Zoom call. So mm. with that, it creates a lot of, uh, I don't know how to describe, describe it, but Maybe you kind of get what I mean, yeah. So expectations maybe, and dependency, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it it was not very healthy. Yeah, I have to say, yeah. Losing that boundary, I suppose yeah, the boundary. boundary sort of got blurred, and I think it's also what I hear is also perhaps like, um, because it's all through Zoom in a relationship, it's not just about like online can only do so much, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right, and in a relationship, you know, there's also that that um other needs, right? that yep. some emotional needs can only be met, you know, when you're physically present talking to each other than mm. like online, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think I kind of find the words that you have to have your own personal space as well in yeah. relationship. You have to have a time just yourself doing all the things that you like mm. so, so that you feel like, hey, I'm a person. Yeah. I'm, I'm who I yeah. am. You know, I feel good yeah. about myself. Not I'm every... Independent individual. Yeah, yeah. Not every mm. second giving to the other person, which, yeah, it is... Mm. doesn't work that way yeah I think that kind of gels very nicely into like because for some people let's just say if I like spending quality time with you so I think this kind of like gels into a topic a separate topic of like love languages like if I like to spend quality time then the more quality time I spend to me I'm getting a richer experience from uh from this relationship versus let's just say you know if, if i prefer gifts or if i prefer words you talking to me versus you being in front of me versus you giving me something is going to give me and and the thing and the funny thing is it's like it's not that you're not trying but it's the thing is that what you're giving is not the thing that i kind of want to receive in that sense so so now you're looking at like for let's just say somebody who's not that keen about like quality time now you're spending like every waking hour with this fella virtually, right? I'm sure that would take a toll, you know, on somebody who, who's, who's not looking for, for quality time that much. So like what, what type of um, 
Did, did that factor in in, um, in any way? Okay, let me sh- share something very interesting. Uh, as a matter of fact, like um, we also did a test for like love language. Both of our highest very psychology students. Yeah, very, I was going to say, yeah, very right. psychology. Yeah, very psychology. <laughs> uh, that, that's part of the fun, right? <laughs> uh, like, okay, so for both of us, actually the love language, the highest was quality of time, which is like, <laughs> that's quite surprising, you know? Uh, yeah. uh, but I think uh, Esther mentions some, some quite very good points also. Like, because when uh, on Zoom, through like online, it's not so as rich as the experience yeah, yeah, when you are both different. of you together. Right, right. Maybe lack of some physical touch or maybe just the physical present with each other. I think even this podcast, like if we were in a room together, the three of us, having, yeah. having the mics, having the setup, the ambience, yeah. like the type of conversation that we'd be able to pick up on would be so different. You know, seeing how like if you're talking about something, you're shifting in your chair, you know, yeah. like these little, little cues, it would be just like you said, the, it's so different doing this virtually Versus like, if you're all physically there, yeah. Like, the importance of the environment and to provide that atmosphere the environment for you know, a partner or anything that you, you're doing, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, before we move on to uh, love, maybe talking a bit more about love language, which I feel like quite a good transition. Uh, maybe I just share a bit more in terms of, let's say, when these kind of things happen, when crisis happen, a change in our lifestyle environment that uh, we are so used to it, like, what can we do about it? No, maybe just a, a two cents from me, which I think of, think back. Yeah. What I think I could do better last time was when these kind of things happen, we should give a time for each other to have a break. Mm. So when these crises happen, you should give time for your partner and yourself to, to try to learn and do things that to find themselves again. Adapt to, to yeah, that adapt change to the new, new, yeah. new environment, new change, to find certain things that can they can feel like they like doing or they enjoy doing to have a routine in their own life uh, instead of uh, jumping to provide the support. You can provide kind of finding support. Order, uh, finding yeah. order in that chaos before you try to be a yes, support for somebody yes. else. You have to find something to ground, grounded yourself on, only that uh, you can uh, provide more support to the partner or to be present. So if let's say you're trying hard to find out something for yourself to ground, but you still can't do it, which I have to say, at, at some point, it might mean that you might need more time to f- find out who you are and what you like, what you enjoy in your life. Because when you have the time to do your own things, but you still find out, I don't have anything in my life that I would like to do. You know? It means maybe you're not ready enough to be in a relationship because you have to be sufficient, capable enough. Uh, only that I would say for me, you have a more healthy relationship. Yeah, yeah you are independence enough to to have a life you know yourself enough yeah so so that that's easy to become toxic i really like this notion about uh, because this is something that i've been reading about myself as well it's Mm -hmm. about being like your own individual person being an independent individual because i think so often it doesn't even need to be in a relation in the context of a relationship but it can be in the context of friendships even in uh what's that called uh, family relationships where your personality or who you are right is so contingent on someone else or basically you know an external force it can even be an identity you know like if i i view myself so much as a as a prestigious lecturer or i view myself so much as a, a very capable engineer and like everything is revolving around that one persona you kind of lose that individualism yeah it's it's like I see it as a, if you're if you didn't have a life of your own, you would obsess or you everything about your life obsessed into a certain identity. It mm. can be a partner Overly like you say, obsessed that into- can be a job, like every sense of validation, the meaning of your existence is depends on that. Yeah. Mm. Which is very dangerous, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we as a human, we are not only one identity. Mm-hmm. We are uh, siblings, we can be parents. We're wearing we many parents. hats. Yeah. <laughs> and and that makes life more interesting also. And it, so you need to find out more different part of yourself. Like you say, you know, I think understanding your own uh, personality, you know, your values, all this give uh, something for you to, to, to know that, oh, this is who I am. You know, this is what different things I can do. And it's not like, I don't know who I am. And every sense of me can I come from someone else. Whatever she say, he say, some other people say, you got to determine who I, who I am. So that you keep looking for it. 
the validation from others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'll just add to that. I mean, that, that's like, a, you know, I think, thank you for sharing, you know, those two cents. I think to add on to that, it's also in a relationship, I think during the pandemic, a lot of, like you said, you know, some of us may find that we lose ourselves, right? Um, because of all the things that, you know, could not happen. But I think what's great about being in a relationship is that you have someone that you can discuss and um, also someone who knows your strength, hopefully, right? <laughs> someone who knows your strength. And I think for people who are struggling to find, you know, or find new interests or find you know, new things to ground themselves, that's where the partner can come into. So we're not saying that like, oh, the partner is now helpless. Like as much as you're giving that break, I think it would be very meaningful as well to have to have more of those conversations. Like, right, what can what do you think I can do, right? That is going to be healthy for this yeah. break or this space. Yeah. I think that's a very, very good point. As and a it partner, doesn't necessarily yeah, mean that you're trying to fix or solve something, but it's yeah. more of like you're going through something. What can I do to kind of be there to support you through yeah. this? Yeah. Not try to remove you from the situation or remove yeah. the struggle from in front of you. It's like help you to yeah. kind of like head on through it. Yeah. So it's still like you guys are still intact, you know, rather than like, you know, feeling like yeah. you have to be like, okay, we need this bread and I have to figure out myself, you figure out yourself and we come back together, right? It's like, because it's a relationship, right? Like you guys, yeah. anyhow, it's going to be interdependent, you know, um, to each other, yeah. yeah. I would say that requires a lot of maturity in doing that mm. also. Like, for sure. Yeah. For sure. To stand out for your partner in, in when crisis happen, I think that's mm. such a valuable characteristic or a value that one person you know, should have. I think everyone when you're in a relationship, you should have that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, you know, it takes time to develop too. And sometimes these conversations can be hard, right? Because yeah, let's say if a, yeah, hard. yeah, let's say if like one partner is very dependent and suddenly if you said like, oh, you know, we, we have to like figure out this out, so you may you know, some partners may be thrown into like this anxious mode, like what am I gonna do? Like are you gonna leave me or like what yeah. So I think that how we do how we go about this conversation and that security to each and uh, providing that security to each other, that's also like the support that is needed in the process of the discussion, you know, about what can we do to create a healthy boundary between the healthy personal space. Yeah, I think I think you point out something very good because uh, what I what I see at that time was uh, I think it relate a bit to the attachment style. Also, let's say your partner are the one who maybe a bit more avoidance, they might not able to show up to provide more support. Because for them, they, they are struggling as well. I mean, we have to know that as well. Both of us are struggling and the way how we deal with it is very different. Yeah. For them, they withdraw and they try to find themselves as well. So this is something a bit complicated, you know. And yeah. when certain times like only crisis happen in one of your partner, then it, it's okay. Your partner still are ready to provide the support. Mm. And when it happens for, for both. both of you, yeah. oh, that is, yeah. is way more challenging. So... Mm. It's tough, yeah. So mm. when it happens, really have to <laughs> try to find back yourself and also when you're ready enough, show up for your partner to support more. So yeah. Yeah. I actually yeah. had a question about that because previously, you know how you were saying, I think okay, like for one thing let's get out of the way is that if we're doing like this type of online test, especially coming from like psychology student, we have a general idea as to what the test is asking us and what they're asking us this for. So I think, you know, we can answer in a way that's like, I want to get this type of secure attachment style. I'm going to answer. And what, I'm not saying that's what we do, but I'm saying that it's so much easier for us to do it. But um, yeah, jumping back to what I wanted to ask is that how you guys had this, um, you guys both did the test and then you had a secure attachment style. But the thing is that when the, when the pandemic happened, exactly like what you said, if something happens to one of us, I still have the other one who's okay, you don't know, my life, all my other aspects of life is generally a bit more stable so I can kind of be there for you but when dua dua both also gonna whack by something right then it's like oh crap how do we rely on you you also going through something I also going through something so then would you feel that are you actually regressing back into what you know that what's the the word uh, that, that, that like autopilot attachment style uh, that is like more deeply rooted more because, like, habitual, habitual yeah. 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 because we have to learn healthy nobody's born out straight or healthy everything in us. so like all these things we needed to learn we need to put a lot of effort conscious yes. effort into it so when these things suddenly well boom everything in my life is turned upside down right 
would you say that number one, we're regressing back somewhere or number two, perhaps there are some things that maybe were left unsettled. You know, we didn't really resolve it 100%. And now when that wound is kind of like poked again, right? It's like, oh, crap, is resurfacing again. So it and triggers back all the... Triggers back and then it's bringing, things, yeah, bringing your habitual yeah. responses back. Like, what, what do you think about that? Uh, I have to say, that's very... That's how I think think about it as well. <laughs> because when it happens, when I keep thinking, it's like, it doesn't make sense, you know? Like, <laughs> it's, it doesn't make sense when, when we're trying so hard, but when crisis happen, uh, I will... That's why I see it. Maybe... At some point, try to say the true self, how we're really behaving or acting, it showed up. And mm-hmm. I would say, uh, maybe a more compassion, uh, compassionate view to look at it is when we have the energy, the time, our life is doing quite well, your basic needs are satisfied. A lot of mm-hmm. different needs are satisfied as well. You, you can move towards something uh, maybe higher to improve yeah. yourself more, to solve the problems that have been uh, triggering you a lot in your life, to maybe heal a bit of your wound. That's mm-hmm. where if you're, mm-hmm. you're ready, then you can heal. But when crisis happen, you get more injured and hurt. A lot of the wounds, they don't get time to heal, you know. Yeah, right. And it, it would show up as well. And that's why I kind of see it in that way as well. When, mm-hmm. when we are ready to improve ourselves, things get better. But when things happen, we might easily fall back into how we have been doing. And which I have to admit, when I, when I look back for myself, I has always thinking that I'm actually quite anxious, yeah. Mm-hmm. which I always be like that. So it makes sense also. Uh, when it happens, I, I be, become like that. Yeah. And I actually yeah. want to tie that into something that you mentioned just now, Akin. It's like when you're going through a crisis or when you're going through a change, you kind of said to have this buffer period to ground yourself. I think, I mean, like for me, I'm a very big believer in like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, like, Obviously, there are better theories, but I, I personally, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. I find it very, very, a very holistic view. And it's like, I think that what you mentioned just now is that when all of your basic needs, you know, in a perfect situation, uh, you know, all your basic needs are being met, I have time to go and look at my, my old wounds. I have time to try and work out what I've been going through. Maybe it's past traumas. Maybe it's things that I've unresolved. Why? Because everything else around me is in a good place. I don't need to worry about my food. I don't need to yep. worry about, you know, a house that I need to live in. All these yep. things are taken care of. I have time to now become a better person, to improve myself. But now suddenly, right, when all these things, now the base need is taken away from me. Where I got time to think about, what, seven years old, who did what to me? 12 years old, who did what to me? It's like, I need to worry about right now, do I have a job? Do I have an income? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? And so, like you said, it's now become so much more difficult because I wasn't done like resolving all my issues yet. And now I have to come back here to like resolve all these things. So I, I think that ties in really well with what you said. When something new happens, giving yourself that kind of like buffer to build things back up from the ground, from the ground up. It's, it's like when, like you said, you know, when, we, when we are operating or functioning in our life, we, we, we build things slowly. You, you try to fulfill certain small needs and, and build up everything. But when crisis happens, it always like everything collapses, you know. Slashes yeah. it straight to the bottom. And, yeah. and I think I would say it's like the attention. When the basic needs or other needs that are fulfilled, you can pay more attention to many different things. Like you mm. say, you know, the wounds, which you have more attention and focus to that. But when crisis happens, it collapses. Your attention loses, you know. It's like, yeah. what should I yeah. focus on? So many problems in my life right now. Yeah. So yeah. many needs that I have to fulfill. And very easily, I think our body, they would run in a more automa- uh, automatic way, which you are used to it. So mm-hmm. become more aggressive, more angry, uh, less responsive. That goes back to what you were saying, like your, your automatic habitual responses yeah. that weren't finished kind of like resolving it. Yeah. But... yeah. And it happens. And also slowly build up. Then you can pay more attention as well. And I would say maybe these kind of things take a lot of time. And maybe... Not months, you know, a lot of wounds that you created, especially in childhood many, or many years, yeah. in your upbringing, it can't be healed so fast, you know. Mm-hmm. It takes years. It take, even after years, it looks like it healed. The wound is healed, <laughs> emotional wound that from, you know, maybe abuse, maybe uh, friends, betrayal, or anything. Mm-hmm. Even it's heals, but it still leaves scars, you know. Mm-hmm. And the scar kind of itches sometimes, you know, and it, it hurts sometimes, and 
And it really takes a lot of courage and also determination and commitment to, to always remind yourself to be mature, to act, to communicate properly to your partner. Which crisis happened? You can't do it. You know? How can you commu- communicate properly? Unless you have been practicing it, uh, keep constantly doing it for a very, very long time and uh, keep up to that. And it's, it's a process still, I would say, mm-hmm. getting better. I think when I was listening to it, I, this analogy came into my mind, you know, the game, the Jenga, you know, when you play, yeah, you know? Yeah. so it's kind of like, you know, when we're talking about muscle hierarchy and whatnot, but I think it's like, I, I don't know why this thing came into my mind, right? It's like, you know, when you take the, you need three things at the base and then you build mm-hmm. it up, right? So it's like, I feel like the pandemic almost like take like it takes the lower ground stuff the up and then, spot, yeah. and then after that it just keep going lower lower until the very base right and that very base is kind of like your how you that base is what you're trying to build that secure attachment you're trying to build to sustain everything up here but then because everything underneath is like pulled out and then finally they have to pull out like kind of shaken that you know secure attachment base then maybe you're left with like one on the left or one on the right or just one on the middle. And so it's a bit like, you know, um, I'm shaky. But I think as you were saying it, it just hits me that like, I think uh, even part of the masters, we, we, we have to still revisit this whole concept of attachment styles, you know, and whatnot. And I think one of my lecturers once said that like, just because you are secure attached, you know, that doesn't mean that you will forever be secure attached, right? Yes, a lot of theories out there and I research saying that like, oh, you know, a secure person match with like an anxious person. Sometimes, you know, the anxious person become more secure. But actually, when I look around me in my friend's relationship, I see the other way around. Like the secure person <laughs> with anxious, the, the other, the secure person become anxious, you know? So I think what my, I think I always remember what my lecturer said. Um, I think she was saying that how just because you are secure, um, that actually you need to con- it's something like like you say it's ongoing process it's a ground that you always have to lay the foundation just because mm-hmm. you've laid it already or your parents laid it you still have to like continuously because for example for myself I come from a family who I think like they've laid it the secure attachment for me but when I enter into a relationship even though yeah my boyfriend is secure attached but when like you say crisis happen it does shake our foundation a little bit. And there are times I find myself gearing a bit more anxious, but I don't completely lose that. But also it makes me realize that like, well, I can't just depend like, oh, just because, you know, I'm secure, he's secure, we're fine. But to be really conscious to build each other's, like lay the foundation constantly in the good times and in the bad times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say to make it more specific uh, in a way also, like if, when we're talking about secure attachment style, to, to really maintain a relationship, to be secure, to save, to be mature as well, it needs a lot of type of skill. Yeah. You need to help, know how to properly communicate to your partner. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think it, that's where I think it overlaps with the individual difference. Like certain people, they are more insecure about certain things. They are more anxious in, about certain things. So you have to learn about how to communicate you can learn about how to be vulnerable to a partner. You can learn about how to express love to your partner. Yeah. You also need to know what kind of love your partner are looking for. Like, mm-hmm. there are a lot more other skills. But let's say your partner did something to you, you're feeling quite unhappy about it. How do you confront your partner? Like, yeah. all these skills, you have to learn and practice. Mm-hmm. And I think, to be honest, if let's say, especially when people who are entering into first love, first relationship, do you have time to you know, practice this kind of skill? <laughs> I don't think so, man. <laughs> so, All theory, no practical yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know you're going to do this, you're going to how to love your partner, but when yeah. things happen, you never practice it before, you know? You don't yeah. even know how to do it. Yeah. I think it happens a lot when you don't communicate your needs to your partner also. Mm-hmm. A lot of people struggle that because have we learned how to communicate our needs to your partner? No, not that's really. So, that's so that's what I would say. Like, takes a lot of time and commitment mm. to learn about all this skill to really uh, practically improve the relationship as well. And if you di- don't know about the skill, don't even know how to practice it, yeah, it's maybe it's time was... to start working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing uh, with, with therapists. I mean, personally, this is what I feel, right? It's that it's, it's very difficult to remove your training from your mind because this is what we're taught. This is like, to, to go one maybe like 
very extreme step. Like it's, it's our life, especially if we're like for us, like we're master students, this is what we want to do. We want to maybe be in, not be in therapy. I mean, we will be in therapy, but we want to administer therapy. Like that is the base um, training that's always like festering in our head. And so now when we're with another person, it's very difficult to remove that, that um, therapy training from us. So we're always very constantly like, okay, now how do I actively listen? How do I do positive confrontation? You know, like in, in a non-aggressive way, how do I communicate? And, and this thing, right, what people, I think people really forget is that this all takes energy. This is not something that we are born knowing how to do. I'm not born knowing how to actively listen to you very attentively and not try to express my own opinion. It's very tiring to do exactly. all this as well. These are all skills that take a lot of conscious effort. And that's why, again, it's just going back to just now what Ken said. It's such, a, it's such a vital point is that, you know, you need to be mature to communicate. You need to be mature to think about all these skills. But hey, these skills take a lot of energy. You know, they take a lot of emotional and mental psychological energy out of us it's not that these things are coming naturally this is not our natural habit and so i just i, I love this point that is, it goes back to that habitual one that like uh ken was mentioning is because that's the stuff that we grew up seeing uh it's like it's it second nature practicing it exactly <laughs> that's my second nature if i'm an angry yeah. person i can be patient but it takes way more energy for me to be patient and now with, you know, the whole world crumbling around me, it's so much easier to just snap straight back into my natural instinct to just be angry at you. And yeah, I, I just thought that people forget that these skills take a lot of conscious effort and energy for us to continuously implement, even when times are hard. When times are good, like Ken said, it's very easy for us to, because we have a lot of extra energy and resources, resources to focus on that exactly yeah. because what all, all the other needs taken care of i can focus on that but when it's not right when it's suddenly poop the rug is swept out from under our feet it's all taken away like i said your habitual stuff is kind of, is yeah. resurfacing is it is coming back to haunt you, <laughs> to haunt yeah. you bro. i mean the worst case is like when you're growing up the education doesn't teach you how to be a very mature grounded person never really teach you your parents are not really they, it's Nobody like they, them. They, they're Nobody not them they're not trained for that also yeah. they are first time being parents and they are also struggling with uh, money economy other other problems or priorities so they are not really trained on that assuming all this you know when you grow up with friends also your friends are not trained with that like, like oh my god like how, how are you gonna be very, <laughs> where are you gonna learn it from a difference uh, compared to others like, it's, it's not that easy and mm. You have to find the time, you know, to, to learn, practice your craft, you know, slowly become more skillful in communication, to be more mature, responsible, uh, to learn how to manage expectation, to communicate, like, like good luck learning, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> have fun learning as well. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think what I, you know, what I hear a lot is communication, right? Um, and I think in the relationship, be it whatever attachment style you are. Um, personally, I mean, from personal experience, I think in a relationship, oftentimes um, I find that sometimes many couples may, cha- may, may find it challenging to communicate needs. Um, and it's one thing to communicate your need, but it's one thing for, it's one thing to respond and re- how you respond and how you react to the need, right? Um, so like for secure and secure individual, I don't know about you, Ken, like, for me, secure and secure individual when times are good, communicate needs they can pick up and they can hear uh, and they can meet it. But when crises happen, um, yeah, it takes a lot of conscious effort to be like, okay, now I'm listening to your need while aware, while being fully aware of my needs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, okay, so who's how can we balance both and how can we discuss this needs? Um, and so I think like a lot of time. I think I remember one of the classes that I've been to, they said that in a relationship, there's, in a couple of counseling, there's, there's two clients. One is the, the, each of the partner and one is the relationship, the relationship mm-hmm. itself. And I think one of my uh, lecturers always like to ask us, like, what do you think is the need of the relationship? Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, I think um, coming back to like this attach- attachment, attachment is often about need as well, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I would like to add on that is mm-hmm. uh, first thing, need changes across time yeah. Yeah. because your life demand changes yeah. like right. when you're in, in your work it's quite tough your boss like scolding you like 
what what are you doing? Your work is you know so bad. Mm. So maybe at that time you need more of validation, affirmation mm. because you're feeling mm. quite down. You're not getting yeah. these kind of needs from uh, another aspect of your life. So need changes, and mm. to communicate with all this is like first you have to aware what kind of needs you have. Yeah, you know you have to communicate with your partner. You have to know how to communicate to your partner. Yeah. Like how do you say it out? The words, you know. Yeah. It's like you can't be just like you do not understand me. You don't mm. love me. Like how how would the person really know your needs? Or, or you can be more mature in saying that um my life is not doing quite well. I feel a bit lost. You know, maybe you can uh, tell me a bit more. Maybe help help me out a bit. You know, to find out what are things that I can do to find myself more. Mm. Yeah. Like the tone you have to learn how to express it as well. Like so yeah. many things Precisely. to break down. Like yeah, so to to do it, I have to acknowledge like whoever like trying to become or uh, trying to have a secure mature relationship. It take a lot of really effort and and the courage and commitment to do it also. So it was I mean, like really kudos to people who can maintain and keep doing it. And really, I think at least we had kept to sometimes the gratitude if our partner can do that because not everyone. Can do every single bits of it. You know, know their needs, how to communicate, how to respond to the needs, what to do, and like so many things that you can have different layers to go through. Yeah, I love how Kian is always feeling like he, every time he talks about there's so many things you can feel like <laughs> he's getting really worked up. Uh, there's yeah. so many things, yeah. and life is complicated. You know, when you really yeah. look at it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to, but- to have a better life, we have to look at it in a way. So. Uh, and maybe yeah. I think we can talk a bit more on the love language as well, which I feel like, um, like previously relate to like both of us also quality time, you know. Mm. But when we have this video call and all this, doesn't work out too well. Uh, okay, maybe just a bit of context. Uh, for me, the love language uh, ranking was like quality time, act of service, physical touch, word of affirmation, and the last one is receiving gift. So for her, it's quality time. First one, word of affirmation, word of act of service, physical touch, and receiving gift. So both of us, the worst is the receiving gift. The <laughs> highest was like quality time, which looks well, you know, looks really good. And I think the first point I want to bring out is who we think we are is different from who we really are. You know? yeah. So the way I say this, because when I look back, uh, it's like a conundrum between like you knowing certain things, you know how to do certain things, but uh, it's actually different from when you're doing it. Yeah. So and you the know practical this, versus the theory. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So, so for for me, when I look back, my love language changes. Uh, quality time is still the same, but uh, as the need, like I say, the life demand changes, it it shifts. You know, yeah. and a physical touch move up, mm. uh, become more, and and word of affirmation as well, and act of service and receiving gift still not. Yeah, mm. yeah. And for her, I'm not too sure because. Uh, we didn't do the test afterwards. Uh, I, I, we didn't do a reflection after that also. Yeah, so it's really something that we always think that we might behave in certain ways, but when we are in the spot with our partner, when we are in relationship, it might work a bit differently, you know. Mm. So it need a constant maybe communication or self-awareness, I would say, to mm. know, hey, I, I think I'm behaving like this, but actually when with my partner, I prefer this more. Yeah, I, I prefer she do certain behavior that show that she loves me or he loves me, uh, loves me more. So I think this is very important. Yeah. And maybe second point I want to bring out also is like how the, our love language to receive love and how we show love to the partner is different also. So maybe your love language would be quality time and all this, but how you show love to a partner is very different. So in my case, when I reflect back on that is uh, both of us also quality time looks perfect, you know. So much matching, so not gonna worry too much more quality time together. But uh, for her, when pandemic happens, it's easier to like she have a habit uh, of giving gift, mm. which is a bit weird. Like her love language, give, receiving gift for the last. But when she expressing love, giving gift is one of the things she very very good at. Mm. Uh, but for me, you know. I'm, my receiving gift was like the lowest. Yeah. So you can see the difference there. Uh-huh. So when what kind of love we want to receive and how we give it and what kind of love we give, there's a difference there. We have to really be aware of that. Or else, 
you might not really uh, satisfying the needs of your partner. Mm. Yeah. So that's how we we'll see it. Yeah. But I also wonder, right? Like you said, you know, um, of course, like different seasons of the relationship because of different life seasons as well. The needs get reshuffled, right? Your needs get reshuffled. Your yeah. love language may get reshuffled as well. Um, but whenever I look at this love language by Gottman, right, I always have this. I I always have this question in mind. Huh? Does must it always be so clear cut, right? Like spending mm-hmm. time and give, for instance. So for instance, like you said, you know, her love language is uh, giving gifts. I mean, sorry, uh, quality time. But during the pandemic, it's so hard to be physically present to spend time. Could give be a way of saying that, you know, I spend time to look for this gift and I, and I you know, send it. Mm. And can that be a quality time as well? So I, I don't know, like, I'm just throwing out. I think yeah. this is a very good one. Because um, when I think back, when I look at like similarities in quality of time, then I have a question instantly. Uh, is If everyone you are in relationship, you do this third language test and you get this quality time, the first question you have to ask yourself and your partner is, what does quality time mean yeah. to you? Yeah. yeah. My quality time is, what it means might be very different from you. For you, let's say, you, you might be thinking, let's play a game together as a partner. And this is a quality to, time together. But for me, perhaps it's like, I want, we have like deep you know, discussion on certain mm. things. Maybe tell me about your past uh, childhood. I don't know, your mm. high school. Tell me more about your past. Maybe those means a lot more to quality time to me. Some might be watching movie, any kind of activity. So you have to really know what does quality time means to you and your partner. If it's different, then yeah, it doesn't work. You know, yeah. Yeah, you watch you get watch a movie together. It's like it feels it feels so great, you know. Mm. But uh, your partner feels really good, but for you, like this is a movie, it doesn't make sense. I don't feel like I'm connected to you <laughs> uh, more deeper. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's mm. something everyone have to ask also know a bit more, I get more insight and depth uh, for this uh, quality of time. Others act of service. I think you maybe have to get a get to know a bit more also for the act act of service. Certain type of act of service. Is you know, yeah. is it like helping you your chores? You know, prepare food for you. Like, what is yeah, it? Like, yeah. like how does it look like? Right? How yeah. how is it translated? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It relates yeah. to like expectation needs and all mm. this also, so that you have the big picture of how what kind of love language, but you also have to break down for that individual what it means to them and mm. how can you uh, work towards that so that both of you are satisfied for the relationship, you fulfill each other needs and love in a way that the other person want to receive as well. I think real quick, I also just want to chime in two things. Um, I just need to put like a disclaimer for people who are listening. It's like I feel I can just feel there will be some people like at home if they're watching this. Uh, they're like, I told him already that quality time is not watching movie. You see, correct God. Like, there's no like right or wrong. So like, there's just like it's it's what what does it mean to you? What does it look like to you? So from what just now, even Esther mentioned, it's like how do you then relay your needs now both of you kept mentioning this you mentioned this four or five times already and it is such a, a wonderful topic that i feel that people really need to take notice of this that how do you communicate your needs to your partner and again doesn't necessarily need to be in the context of a relationship to your close friends to your family how do you communicate those needs out because like we just said the disclaimer there's no right or wrong way to show it but there is a way that you would like to receive it so then how do you now bring this this conversation you know bring this topic across in a again in a non-confrontational manner in a non-harming manner because it can look like hey you know you do stuff are always wrong one mm. you know you always do you, the thing that you I know don't how to like love one. me you always yeah. do this yeah, exactly <laughs> or it can even look like you know if you really love me you would know what i want to have yeah. you know this I, type of like i think this is so dangerous the, the statement exactly. that you see yeah it's Which so dangerous i've ha- had girlfriends tell me this to my face and it's like you think this is a guessing game, is it? I'm not on a game show, you know, we are two individuals, we need to talk this out. And so, how do you healthily communicate that, that desire, you know, that expectation? Because talking about what you want is not selfish. It is no way selfish and it is a healthy thing that every relationship should have. You need to tell, tell each other what I expect, what do you expect of me, right? So that now I can, I can properly deliver it to you. I think it's a very good favor to help your partner so that they know how to do, how to love you. Yeah. Uh, it's like, 
although I study psychology, I don't really know how to read your mind. <laughs> you're reading your mind, right? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You're gonna tell me. Uh, uh, we're gonna sit down properly, you know, take some time. I know it's kind of awkward. Maybe we're doing this for the first time, but we have to have this kind of conversation and time. Needs to start somewhere, yeah. Yeah, to, to, to begin. Uh, I think maybe add on a bit more points on that is knowing your needs is not easy. It's really not easy. Like, it doesn't just like, uh, what's my need? Then it kind of pop up or when you open a book, you kind of show up, oh, these are the needs you want to be loved and treated this way. It's really hard to, it's the process to kind of figure out yourself what kind of needs you, you, you want. Maybe one suggestion I would, I would say is to know a bit more of your needs. Uh, you, maybe you can try explore, exploring different things mm. and so that when you explore different things, like let's say there are maybe a thousand ways to love someone, to show quality time, to show act of service. If you, you have to explore, it's like experiment, you know. You do experiment with different things, then only you can find out, hey, I enjoy this more. I actually love the way how you say this thing. Mm. I actually love how you uh, validate my emotions when I'm sharing uh, what I have been through. But you have to experiment and try out different things. Then only that, you get a bit more clues in terms of, oh, I have this need. I actually need a lot more emotional connection. I actually need a, a, little, a little bit more physical intimacy with my partners. I like how he or she hold my hands in this way or hug me in certain way. So you have to explore and try it out. It doesn't come so naturally to know like you have to do this or this, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and even when you ask a partner, how can I love you more? They'll be like, I, I don't even know, you know. <laughs> like, it happens a lot of times. So exploration and try it out. Maybe ha- having some fun in between as well. To, to know your partner I think it can be a fun thing to do to, to, to explore how to love them in different ways in different forms as well yeah I think also to be like you said having fun right like to be less critical because I think like you know when you're in a relationship sometimes you expect right the other person to be all-knowing I think we talked about yeah. that like in the previous podcast right so yeah I think when you say exploring two things that came into my mind is like feedback is very important so as you know for me right I can do all this thing I can explore like all these other possibilities but if you're never if you're just going to be that okay receiving and like kind of judging <laughs> evaluating okay I don't like this and you know you never communicate that yeah. like then poor 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 guy or poor lady you know? <laughs> they're like they always just keep trying and they will just never feel like they're good enough or like yeah, yeah actions never so feedback it's like the thing that I think about is, or even my own experiences, feedback is very important. And the other thing is like not to be so critical, just because they may hit, they may miss some marks, right? Like, yeah, like for example, okay, Valentine's Day, you don't get the flower you like, but there is still flowers, just yeah. not the packaging yeah. you like, right? It's okay, love it off, you know, like rather than be like, why do you give me this? Like, yeah. you don't, you, you, you didn't, you forget what's my favorite color, you know, um, mm. that sort of, yeah. So then that's some kind of room for both of you to be like, okay, like, and I think when you take it more lightly, there's more motivation to try more things rather than like this film beaten up and, you know, yeah. It's like more room for maybe mistake and learning yeah. as well. Because yeah. or else when you send a gift and the partner yeah. like, what kind of gift is this? <laughs> and it's very hurtful. I have to say, yeah. it's like, it can be very hurtful yeah. if you're the person who gave me the gift. Like, I prepared so much time, you know, yeah. finding, researching, buying it, you know, planning everything. Then your response was like, what is this <laughs> yeah. game? You know, it's yeah. so hurtful and it, this will discourage your partner also. I think yeah. Yeah. at that point, you also have to, one more thing you have to learn. You have to learn how to communicate. Like, let's say you're receiving a, a gift that you, you don't really like, but your partner still give it. How do you acknowledge that? How do you mm-hmm. say that? Uh, I, like, I, I might not really like this, but I really appreciate the time, you know, effort you're spending all this. Mm-hmm. I will try, try my best to you know, mm-hmm. use this, try this. And I really appreciate your effort. And maybe next time you can prepare something more like this, I would prefer this. Mm. So that it give you the direction where they can look ahead, more forward, uh, mm. love you more in a way that you want to be loved as well. Yeah. Right. It's like a trial and error and learning. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. 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 But I'm also wondering that, what about in your relationship then? Like, did you guys communicate about your needs? Like, what does each of your, you know, do you guys discuss, you know, how does each of your love language look like? Uh, that was a tough one again. Okay. So uh, with me, I think when pandemic happens, quality of time, uh, like specific example, like for her, quality of time is like when we doing activities together, and mm-hmm. that happens a lot. So like when playing playing games together, but for me, it doesn't work 
<laughs> I, I, I'm looking for more. Uh, I mean, individual difference. So for me, quality of time is really like uh, a certain time, like certain night that we really sit down to talk. We talk about really deep stuff, you know. Mm. And I love people talking about, to be very vulnerable, to talk about their emotions. Maybe certain incidents when a friend says something to her, she feels very hurt. And we kind of explore a bit. It's like, who, it's like the analogy, like imagining it, like holding each other hand to walk through a path to explore what is the experience look like. Like, mm. why do I feel hurt when he or she says something like that? Yeah. And what does that mean? And does that mean I actually value something like this? Yeah. I love this kind of conversation. And Self-exploratory. Yeah, yeah I, I love these kind of things. But it's, it requires a, a lot of energy. And Tremendous amount. We, we, we didn't really able to have a lot of those conversations, which I think that's one of the reasons it leads to the ending as well. Because Yeah, so maybe actually in, in closing, you kind of want to like share the, that story that the cliffhanger story that everybody was waiting for <laughs> yeah here right now <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, maybe I think the sh- short version would be because of these differences in, in the love language uh, although we're spending time talking general stuff I feel like there's a lack of emotional intimacy or depth in the relationship yeah. okay we each other might, might know about our past what happened but they're not enough. And it's not happened as frequent. And with that, I feel like my needs is not satisfied. And, and it's like, when your relationship progress, you have to, you know, more and more stuff about more depth, I think I'll say depth in the person. What does this person look like? How is he character? How all experience or events uh, contributed to who he is right now? And you can paint the picture uh, what his history look like and how it happens and how it changes and how you can see the future in them as well. Mm. But without this emotional intimacy, uh, this it's not a deep conversation. And, and because I graduated, I was doing a lot of stuff, trying to entrepreneurship and all that stuff. I grew in a different way. Mm. And it happens when in relationship, you're in different phase of life, your value change. You, know? you try out new things. Like both of us, like very psychology students, like so it clicks a lot of things to talk about a lot of stuff, deep stuff, intellectual stuff. Uh, but when I started doing other things, not like uh, to psychology, a lot of conversation we, we can't share. Mm. And we grow in a different way and she explore about languages as well, which for me is like learning languages. I don't get it. Like uh, <laughs> learning different languages, like Russians, you know, French and all this. And which I was like, I don't even know how to use it or how to speak it. So you see the difference. Um, getting bigger and we learn and grow into different person with that the vision of uh, being together in the future slowly slowly fall apart yeah? mm-hmm. and it happens yeah. so when I look back I feel like it's kind of sad but at the same time uh, it's a journey it's a, it's a process mm-hmm. that you, you're in different phase of your life meet different kind of people it's like you meet the right person at the right timing uh, Get the right experience uh, and certain times it won't last as much but eventually if you learn enough and grow enough and you know yourself more and I think that's the best best, best case for, for everyone for everything yeah and so maybe just uh, in closing we've actually gone over an hour and like there's so much more that we could talk yeah. about honestly it's been such a rich conversation so maybe uh, we don't need to end on a positive note but if there's something that you want to say like this is what I would always do when I was doing my own podcast like what's one you know like one takeaway thing or one last words that you will say to the listeners after they've been listening to the whole thing what's one thing that you want them to kind of leave them with I would say it's having a proper mindset when you're entering a relationship or even you're in a relationship right now to have a right mindset of belief in terms of how a relationship should be. Like a lot, a lot of things that we have been talking about. To maintain a secure, a loving relationship, mature relationship, you need a lot of skill. You need to know how to communicate, how to give feedback, how to you know, support your partner, how to talk to your partner. With all this, I would say, if everyone can hold that uh, belief and uh, constantly acting on it, uh, to be there for your partner, that would help uh, helps a lot. And And... Hopefully, with that, uh, your relationship can last longer. 
and you also get a richer experience in, in your life as well. And when you look back, it's like, although it ended, but actually I'm doing quite well. I'm, I'm quite mm. proud of myself, which I'm being quite a supportive partner. And, mm. and this shows that in the future, when you're in other relationship, you're capable of a more loving relationship as well. And with that, I think hopefully, you know, everyone loves more and you know, know how to love more as well. Well, that is freaking awesome. That's a really good way to end everything on. So we just want to thank you again for you know taking your time out, sharing all of your experiences. Uh, before we close off the episode, again, thank you to My Matters Network as well as T-Buddies. Remember, today's recording is facilitated by them, their Malaysian Youth and Mental Health Initiative. And to find out more about them, head over to mindmattersmy.org. Again, thank you so much, Ken, for taking your time out. Again, sharing all of these experiences, you know, insights especially this is something that you know people won't be able to get you can get theories but you can't get an insight of an experience from a person from an individual unless they take the time out to share it so thank you so much for doing that again thank you Esther for being here to host this with me thank you to myself I also just like thanking myself even though it's funny thank you gratitude right thank you so much yeah Yeah, so I hope to see all of you guys again on the next episode of Team Buddies thank you guys